Somebody by Under Armour, maybe that's a big brand. This is the new studio, studio, new sound, everything. Um, but there, that's a question like they got all these tour players, Jason Day and Dustin Johnson, and so forth, and they got to be wearing something. And Jason Day is now wearing head to toe Nike, that's really interesting. So Nike's out of the hard goods, no more uh, clubs, balls, that kind of thing. But they're still doing apparel. And I thought it was so interesting that within weeks of Nike announcing they're out of golf hard goods, Nike signs Jason Day. Well, that answers my question. Because when you think about it, there must have been something in that tailor-made Adidas deal that allowed these guys, the guys I mentioned and other people, Sergio or some of the more prominent tour players that use their their soft goods. There must have been an out clause because it happened pretty quickly. It did. In fact, I overheard you saying that. It was funny. I, you were talking about that yesterday while we were playing golf with our uh, friends David and Andy. We'll talk about that in a second. But I wasn't really sure what you were saying. Now instead, so Jason Day has already been signed by Nike. Absolutely, head to toe. Head to toe. Yep. I know, and it really is weird because, uh, well, in the current context, the ta- that that TaylorMade still uh, obviously they exist. Nike, you still see their stuff out. Uh, obviously, the big question is is what everyone players like Rory and other uh, other Nike players. What are they going to end up playing? I mean, that's really that's interesting. Not, yeah, it's, it's the opposite of uh, they got the soft goods, they, uh, the shirts and shoes and stuff, but golf clubs. So. There's no golf club support for them anymore. Right. And the rumor was, uh, probably not a rumor, but probably documented, that Rory had an M2 in his bag. Uh, I think, was it the last week, I guess? So, just before we played yesterday, one of my buddies, uh, Raj, who's a big he's like six foot three or four, hits it so far, it's absurd. He said to me, Did you hear about Rory's M2 numbers? Were you there for that conversation? No, but I, no, no. So what? He's hitting it out of sight. Well, apparently his trackman numbers are absurd. His carry distance, according to Raj, was like three thirty, <laughs> three twenty, and rolling out to three forty something. Oh my God! I know. Golf course have to be eight thousand yards now. Uh, welcome to Swing Thoughts. I, I, I'm not even sure is this is this still Swing Thoughts. Somebody. I forgot where we were. I thought you were on a. You and I were just having a phone no, conversation um, with better sound. <laughs> so, Tailor-Made uh, Adidas also, of course, brought you by our good friends at Clublink, uh, Blue Springs, and Glen Karen. When is Blue Springs closed? I know it's open November 5th. 
So okay. probably I, the fifth is a Saturday, I believe. So probably the sixth is Sunday. Um, Glencairn is closing this Sunday, which I think is the 31st. This Sunday? Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, part of it is because of the uh, drought. Not part of it. It is because of the drought. Mm. The eight weeks this last summer that we had no water and there were some problems. We lost a bit of the fairways and a few of the holes. So they said, you know what, guys? Uh, this has happened. And so in order to get a head start on the irrigation, not the irrigation, the aeration, aeration yeah. for next spring, they're closing it down a couple weeks early. Yeah, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. And that was the problem. Uh, the reason they need the aeration is that the, well, amateur superintendent here, is that the ground just got so compacted from the drought. So when you did get a lot of rain, the rain didn't have any place to go. Is that what it was? It just all just like the fairways. Yeah, because you have the heat and the humidity is just bacteria thrives, and they probably got something along the lines of pythium blight. And I'm sorry? Yeah, I know. It's not like chlamydia. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. You, you, when, when you start a sentence, uh, I'm an amateur greenskeeper, and you throw in pythium blights. I, 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 I used to teach a course at uh, the University of Guelph in the Turfgrass Diploma Program, so I know enough about little so disease saying, and, and chinch bugs just to, oh, be a little bit, bugs. to be a little bit dangerous. And I think it's interesting that uh, you throw around pythium blight in such a pithy manner uh, that you should be congratulated. Uh, along with being articulate and fine writing. Uh, not pissed off. No. Yeah, it's very nice. Grimace. Uh, Tim O'Connor is also the mental performance coach at the Glen Abbey Golf Academy. O'ConnorGolf.ca is how you get a hold of him. And you're host of the relocated That's right. Humble and Fred Radio.com. And, and, and I'm just loving this new studio you got here, man. I mean, sunlight streaming in from uh, Queensway. Man, you guys have done a great job. Thank you very much. You know, we're very proud of this move. And uh, if you're fans of the show, you know what's been done. If you want to check out the show, it's humbleandfredradio.com. You can check us out online and on SiriusXM, Not Safe for Work. The great Jim Carr <laughs> is the engineer. Or children. And not safe for work or children. Jim Carr, who is not a golfer. Welcome, Jim Carr. Yes, no, I will mention you on the golf podcast, Jim Carr. Absolutely. Jim Carr has a... I've got a seat here. Yes. This is Sayon. Join us. Join us, Jim Carr. Um, have you ever played Jim Carr is a head of radio at Seneca College? And years ago, we ran into each other. Is that? Years ago, we ran into each other. I remember, I guess we were there speaking. And Jim and I and Fred have been friends for a long time. And Jim has, I don't know what he's done, he's spent hundreds of hours putting this thing together. And um, you're, you're a beautiful, beautiful man. Thank you. Well, thank you. Would you play golf a little bit? I do. I do. I haven't been out this year. Seriously? Yeah, no one invited me yet. So, um, did you play as a kid? Yeah, like a few times. It was one of those uh, things with my dad. My dad, for a while, you know, uh, really took it up and he uh, really enjoyed it. And, And so when I started kind of rekindling a relationship back with him and it was one of the things that we kind of did when we got together on weekends and stuff like that. But it was, you know, it was not one of those things that I was ever really... Um, good at, and it was you know every once in a while, just like the hacker, you know every one one shot uh, a game, you're happy with that. Yeah. It's funny that you know you said about your dad. There's such a dad, there's such a son and dad or dad and daughter aspect to golf, and you know even for better players, like I only started golf because I wanted to hang out with my father. 
Right. You know, it's funny because my dad used to come and watch me play hockey, but I always knew that golf was something we could do together because he, 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 he couldn't speak with me or whatever. But it's funny that you're drawn to it because your parents and my mom played too. Yeah. Are you at all concerned that uh, even though you were sounding perfect to me, that the views were, were low on that channel? Yeah, so just, just I would bring that up, yeah. That's technically not people. Technical shit. I mean, stuff. <laughs> stuff. stuff. Um, okay, um, where are we at with the lock? I'm, we're ready to go. So okay. carry on with your uh, okay. thing. Okay. Sure. Yeah. The okay, there you go. That's what I was asking. There it is. All right. Thank you, sir. Things getting done. Guy drops in for conversation. He is. Let's talk about Jim Carr. The lovely and talented Jim Carr. He's ridiculous. Jim is, no, I won't stop. He's the head of radio. Wow. At Seneca College. But for some reason, he has decided that Fred and I, and now you by extension, are worthy of... Last week, before we opened the studio, he and I were in the... He and I was sitting here keeping him company until almost 9 o'clock every night. Um, one night, I uh, apparently uh, I kicked him out of here because I wanted to watch this debate. <laughs> and uh, but his wife's here, and I'm trying to get you know they're having dinner in the studio. Is it working? Yeah, okay. I'm only upset you wanted to hear me talk about you. He'll listen. He'll listen to the podcast. There you go. Anyway, that's Jim Carr. He uh, he's done so much work. Like you know, a lot of the work that was done in the studio was done by myself and Fred and, and people that painted it. My buddy Dan and I put up all the soundproofing. But the the, the reason we're sitting at this table is he he, he designed he built he cut this thing. This board he gave us for free. This thing is ten thousand dollars. Dude gave it to us for free. They answered that question. He <laughs> said it was ten thousand bucks. Like, oh, where where'd the funding come from? That because you funded the shitter. Uh, we crowdfunded the washroom. Okay, let's talk golf. All right. I have a question for you. It's interesting because I've known you for a while, and I know that you're a performance coach, and a lot of my friends are your students. Uh, some of my friends are new are new students of yours, but I really never ask them. I don't think I've asked you for a while. And I was going to ask you this morning before we started, but I thought I'd say it. When you, when you have a session, for instance, you came from Glen Abbey prior to coming to record this, right? Uh, near Glen Abbey. Well, no, but you were, you were doing a session today. Correct, yes. And I was going to ask you, if, if people are curious, when Tim O'Connor, that's you, mm-hmm. has a session, why don't you give us a few minutes of a flavor of what you might do in a performance coaching situation. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Um, I always start with kind of what's going on, kind of what I call the, the top-level stuff. You know, we'll check in, see how each other are doing, uh, what have you been up to recently, you, you know, reconnect like people do. And then it, I always go like, so what's going on for you? And what I mean by that is what's kind of the top-level thing? What's the thing that's maybe... It could be joy, something they want to share, some good stuff. But most of the time, it's something that's maybe bugging them a little bit. They've got some angst around. Last round didn't go right. They're so I'm saying a bit of a say what's going on for you. You mean in the context of golf? Yes, it, but it also can be not golf. Okay. It can be. It can be certainly I both. Clear that up. So you're saying what's going on for you in general, and then maybe specifically what's going on in your rounds? It kind of depends on the kind of client. Uh, I have some clients who it's just strictly golf. That's all they, they're in for. Generally with my um, adult clients, shall we say, I, I coach a lot of juniors. There it's all about golf and performance, and they want to get on the tour and college scholarships and tournaments and all that kind of thing. 
With some of the older kids, sometimes it's into what I call life stuff. But with the adults, mostly that's where it goes. And so it can be, you know, I had a really bad round, but I also had a, an argument with my wife or something or something's going on at work. And we just start to explore that. And what's amazing to me is how things that happen in various parts of life, work, relationships, and in golf, it's all intertwined. And we just start to look at what's really going on in their life. And, uh, and what I, the role I play for a lot of people is kind of like, shall we say, that safe place. They can come and they can talk and about things that they don't talk about anything with nobody else about. And I can just hear them and provide them with some feedback and some perspective. And yeah, I got a bit of gray hair, so I can do some some teaching with the work that I've, what I've done. And so usually it's it can really go all over the place with people. I think what I'm, what I'm not gonna test, I've been your friend for some time now, that there's very few people in my life that I know I can bounce things off of that I mean, Tim has this great ability to take, take information in in such a non-judgmental, non—you know—I mean, you see as you are what people hear. You're a sincere, kind, spirited human being. I don't get it. <laughs> you know, it seems to be working for you. Um, and what I'd like to talk about, boys, and that's great. But somebody, they, after they unload, they say, Tim, oh, I'm frustrated, third hole, this kind of blah, blah, And then what kind of things do you give them to then do? Is there homework assignments? Is there some, some skill acquisition? All of the above. And it can be more than that. A lot of times it's just providing perspective. But the key thing in all of this is, is that I don't, put like a bony finger into your chest and leave a bruise and say, you need to do this. You need to fix yourself. Most people know what they need to work on. What I do is I merely, I not merely, but I hold up a mirror to them sure. and go, is this what you see as well? And they can get some perspective from that. And generally they see things that they need to do. And so I kind of give them the ammunition to, to do that work. And often it's times of like, okay, yeah, I do see how that's going. And, and then I ask them, what do you really want to do? And they'll go, well, I want to make this choice instead of that one. And a lot of times it's around, I'll provide them with, um, okay, you want to do this, right? You know, they see this thing that they want to do and I go, okay. And a lot of times what it is, they want to stretch out of their current behavior, these things. So. So they'll do what we call a stretch, and that is they'll take on an action to help move them forward towards this kind of new way of being that they want to be. So I'll say, okay, so what's one, maybe one thing you can do? And this is just a small example of kind of work. I want, I want people to understand that there's, there's actually some technical work being done when they get you know, any kind of performance uh, enhancement from you. Yeah, so what we'll do is, okay, okay, here's, so... Here's something you could take on. What's a commitment you could make? And they'll go, well, okay, I'm going to, okay, so here's something I've uh, talked about with a client recently. This client has a tendency to always gravitate to the negative in what goes on in his game. So, like a lot of golfers. Yeah. Like almost all golfers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Par, 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 bogey, double. Oh, my God. You know, the, the catastrophize. Sure. So I said, okay, 
what about if you really took stock of the things that you, in every game you have, and maybe in every day, what you could be grateful for? And so I say, okay, have you ever heard of something called a gratitude journal? And what it is, basically, at the end of every day, he would keep, just from one to three, he would write down three things that he feels grateful for. Mm-hmm. And and I would run this back and forth. And go, you know, I like that a lot. I said, okay, how about you make a commitment to do the gratitude journal every day between now and like a week from now. And I said, how does that sound to you? And he goes, yeah, that sounds good. That's something I want to do. So will you make a commitment to yourself and to me that you're going to do this gratitude journey? He goes, yeah, on it. I, I've done it. And the thing that I always come back to is that while he makes a commitment to me, the biggest piece is that he made a commitment to himself. Because mm-hmm. that's the person you really need to hold accountable. So again, so to kind of step, to, to move the lens back a little bit, part of the role I play is holding people accountable because really it's around the choices that they make. And if they don't do them, we can look into that. And, and so have you, I mean, I, I know a lot of people are be thinking, well, how is that going to get me to be, I don't know, whatever it is you want to be, you want to be a better golfer, uh, a more happy individual on the golf course, how will that add if you're a, if you want to be an elite player, how does that get me to, you know, uh, more rounds uh, in the lower you know, region? I don't mean, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. lower bottom region. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, what, I, what I guess I'm saying is there's lots of, okay, great, so I, I journal for a week about things I'm proud of, great, grateful for, and then I go out on Sunday, and I go par, par, triple, and I snap a club over my name. Well, you haven't really integrated the new skill of gratitude, but it's bigger than that. It's always bigger than that. And I think it's largely close. I think we can use you as an example. Why don't you use me as an example? Yeah. Worst, worst temper, worst money golfer I ever met was myself. But the worst ridiculous man. Yes. Paul, Paul's Paul's full of your wedges. I wasted a lot of time. Right. Being very angry at the game of golf. But this year, you largely have acquired the skill, I would say you could call it many different things, of letting it of letting it go yes. and not having that emotional reaction. So if you do something like having a gratitude journal, as you develop that skill, there's just a little bit more equanimity that generally comes over time. None of this stuff happens like that. It's skill development. Yes. And so by... so two things here. So by doing something like a gratitude journal, someone over time will find that they're, they don't react as much on the golf course. And things happen, they kind of go, well, you don't see that every day. To use your phrase. My phrase. You don't see that every day. So you don't have that emotional reaction. So it's like you, you and I have used this phrase many times during this podcast, the fine history of this show. It's largely around skill development. Nothing comes generally from the epiphany, from reading the book and go, oh, my life has changed. You integrate this stuff and you start to build skill. Here's some things I've been thinking about lately. Um, You know, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm a spiritual leader. Why does that make people? I've decided I'm going to be a spiritual pilot, a doctor, yes, unicycle yes, writer, yes, and spiritual leader. I love it. Thank you, Tim. May I touch the hem of your garment? I'm wearing a nice garment, and I need to get a hem. 
I'm going to do you side it. I guess I don't know. I can't be a mental performance coach. I don't know. I'm a spiritual leader. I like it. spiritual leader. SL. I'm golf. And one of the things that I've been calling myself the Gandhi of golf, golfy, is everything about golf, whether it's the skill acquisition of the physical side or it's the skill acquisition. And I think we've made that point in a ball What Tim teaches. What I've learned over a lifetime of research is a skill to acquire, whether it's keeping a journal that will make you realize on the third hole when you hit it out of bounds, you're going to make a triple, blah, blah, that really, you know, in the great scheme scheme of the world in your life, it really isn't that big a deal. And that, of course, can give you some perspective, equanimity, and so on. But what I've decided to, my sermon this week, the spiritual leader sermon, it's about the insidious nature of golf. And why I say that is because what you just reminded me of when you say there's no equipment. You're not going to one day go see Tim and the next day break 80 if you've never done that before. Over time, what Tim and others like Tim and yourself and your discovery can help you do is, and then the word insidious means sort of slowly creeping. Mm-hmm. And golf has that nature where, you know, you what Tim teaches is over time, there's a sort of slow, slow creeping nature of you changing from being a psychotic, angry prick. I'm describing myself spiritually in some years. <laughs> um, you know, to being, you know, like Fred always says, well, there's old Howard and new Howard. Right. But uh, old Howard, uh, but the change didn't happen overnight. Happened when I when I came back to golf four years ago. I still had a lot of lingering anger, and a lot of old golf habits that over the four years, especially the last couple of years. Because four years ago I started working with Doolin, and then a, a couple of years ago we started talking about golf together. So the insidious nature of it is you just you just need to acquire enough skill and let it be patient and let it let it sink into your game, and over time. Then things will change. It just won't change the next day. But what you what you can do the next time you play after you know listening to the show or or meeting Tim or you know maybe coming up reading something that resonates from one of our guests, you can make a little change the next time you play. I guess that's what I was kind of getting at. When I leave a session with Tim O'Connor, am I? Do you say okay now? So next time you play, let's start working on this tiny change. You know, I always use the story of Tim saying to me. In the middle of last summer, uh, 2015, after I could be particularly, you know, horrific, you know, blow up, and I smashed a, a T marker. He said, "Well, maybe next time you uh, may, maybe you can just not be quick." Um, yeah, I was direct. You have to talk to spiritual leaders and congregate. No, what he said was, "Maybe you could change your intention," and that's the takeaway I got, and it made a big difference. So I would say to you, if you're whether you're you know being taught by Tim or, or somebody else, like. You, you can't, but over time, golf is a very slow burn uh, kind of change. But in the immediate, you can make some changes, profound ones, just by changing some little thing you do. Yeah, it, it's all part of our lives. It's like I uh, heard recently, says, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Exactly. And life is like that. I mean, people who have things that go on, say, in the workplace, and someone's maybe... 
has a difficulty with a manager or something, and they just find that this manager kind of bosses them around, is kind of bullying, and they find that they're not assertive enough. So let's say someone decides, you know what, I'm going to tell this person, you know, no, I don't like that. Can we take a look at this? So rather, so maybe one time they, they'll, they'll do it, and another time they'll just kind of shrink back into old behavior. And but they become aware of it and go, you know what, I need to keep doing this. I need to keep doing this piece of it. And then gradually, over time, rather than being kind of timid and concerned and being fearful how the manager is going to react, over time it becomes more part of their behavior. And in that insidious way you talked about, it becomes their new way of being. And they become much more assertive, just the same way when someone who struggles with their weight. Maybe let's say, you know, mid-afternoon, they're just starving. But instead of going towards, you know, the, uh, the chip wagon or the Snickers bar, they just get themselves maybe say, okay, I'm committed to drinking a big glass of water and having, you know, some almonds. And if they can just, with that little piece of change for a week, and then they can just gradually, in a, in a gradual way, build new behaviors. So it, it's all spoken. Spiritual leader approves of that message. So within a couple of days, a friends of times, apparently I met one of them before, but you know, sometimes spirits are better. Exactly. You didn't take a spiritual supplement, did you? Sometimes, spirits are leader. You know, medicate himself at night. Anyway, so I think of LSD, loosening the There's a great We got because we're doing a short one today. Tim's got to go. I got some cars here. We got some technical stuff to worry about. Um, but thank you for saying that I've made some changes. You know, my handicap has come down this summer. Uh, I think back to where I was in June. We had this local show. I was in golf hell. I was pretty unhappy. Show twenty two. Where wherever I was. You know, I just couldn't, I couldn't make a breakthrough. I thought I had worked as hard as anybody could on this golf swing. And over the summer, you know, I made a lot of changes in terms of how I approached the game of golf that have uh, paid off. I don't think my golf swing's any better than it was on the 22nd episode of the show. Looks the same. Looks the same. Well, my handicap's gone from like a 2.2 index to a 0.9. And folks, that is... It's ridiculous. That's amazing. That kind of, if, if people don't know, to go maybe from a 15 to a 10, that's really good. To go, to make the jump you made, that's huge. It is. And, you know, and again, it was insidious. It just happened that my, you know, however that happened, it happened. Anyway, I'm going to talk about tomorrow. Uh, yesterday. Tomorrow I'll talk about Spiritual leaders go back, back and forth. Exactly. Yes, I, 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 the time and space makes nothing spiritual leader. So yesterday, <laughs> Tim and I, I've taken on a couple of guys. One is David Hawks. Was that some Cox? Cox. Cox. Sorry, Dave. Brother Cox. Scott Cox, well-known golf professional. Nice instructor, yes. Great guy. Yep. David, very, very fine player. And his uh, plucky sidekick, Andy. Andy Marshall. Andy Marshall, both very fine players. Look close to scratch golfers, whatever, one, two handicaps. And uh, Tim and I were taking these two uh, fellows on as some kind of match. Straight up, straight up, and uh, you know, David starts at he starts uh, birdie, birdie, par. The other guy hits like a tour player, and you know, I was sort of, oh, I did all right, I was playing okay. 
struggling. I was struggling. First five to six holes. Not that. The spiritual leader noticed that Tim <laughs> might have been in a bit of a uh, mental performance spunk. I was, I was, I was. Um, you know, because even someone like you, you know, you know, you're very well aware of what's going on, and you can, you know, self-diagnose, and I, you know, sort of left you alone, and you were not happy with how you were hitting it, and you weren't happy with, you know, I don't know, I could, I could, I could probably, I could have written down all the things you might have been thinking, you know, I'm playing with all these guys, they're really good, and I want to show up and be good, too, and, you know, it just wasn't there, you, you told me later, you know, you felt a little bit. Like you could tell, you didn't have good nutrition going on. Well, we teed off late. We teed off late, and I hadn't, and I realized this about three or four holes in, that I hadn't eaten anything substantial for a long time, and I have low blood sugar, and I should have been aware, but I was a busy, busy boy, and I got to the golf course, you know, like 20 minutes ahead or something, and I didn't. It was cold. It didn't get warm. Well, I just didn't take care of myself. I wasn't as aware of myself as I should have been. But what I loved about what happened yesterday is you basically. Let's be fair. You were a little bit sloppy for the first five or six holes. That's more than fair. Okay. <laughs> but what, well, the round wore on. You got a, you know, some food in you, and I think what I think is, is good for people to hear is, you know, you've got to understand what's going on. You've got to be aware of your of what you can take care of. It's a great dueling thing. You know, we, we, what can you influence? You can have good nutrition. You can have good hydration. You can be aware of your mental state. Because, you know, not every day is your, are, are you at your optimum. What I like about what happened yesterday is that's with some great self-awareness on your part. Because a lot of guys, myself included, you know, you can dismiss the fact that all you've had to eat so far is a, a, you know, a, a shitty you know, chocolate bar or something. And, and be all angry and wondering where your golf game is. But in actual fact, you weren't an optimum, you weren't in a physical state to play an optimum man. And, you know, you've got a bunch of guys that are good players, and, you know, there's all that. Um, I thought that was a great takeaway for, for me to relate to our audience. If you came to the realization, wow, you know, six or seven holes in, I'm hitting it horribly, oh, maybe I should eat something. And then, you know, the, the parable is you played much better once you got some nutrition, hydration, things settled down. And it's no coincidence you started getting it before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The uh, shoulders were a little, you know. Oh. <laughs> I shot, I'm just going to say this. I shot one, uh, one over on the front nine, and I think we were just on three. Four, four. Yeah. Buddy, the, 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 I thought, you know, it's funny because there's three and Andy. I thought David was like this super player, and the other guy was just there as like, you know, comic relief. Meanwhile, he's one under. Yeah, the little sidekick. We're getting this shit knocked out of us. Absolutely. But it was, yeah. <laughs> no, you were getting <laughs> shit knocked well, out of you while I watched, and I tried to. What I, what I, it was really interesting what was, was happening is that a big thing for me is just to feel connected to the club all the way through. That's just something I, that works for me. I try to take, stay present to the club and I couldn't I just couldn't and even off the first tee big snap hook uh, fifth hole I think another snapper whatever I just couldn't do it and and it was just a matter of I just had to let go of of outcome result and just you know this will come around sometime and I was aware a few times I kind of wandered away to kind of let you guys be because I just didn't want to be a a bring down, 
Yeah, because I wasn't in the best. I I wasn't even for a few holes. I was going like, I'm not having fun. <laughs> well, and that just goes to show you, as you said, you know, sometimes even somebody who does what you do and you talk about it and we discuss it every day, you know, you can find yourself in in a situation mentally on a golf course where you're like, man, this isn't what I wanted to be. But I think the learning for me watching you go through yesterday is. You know, you can choose to react to this any number of ways. And the way you chose to react was, I'm going to get myself out of this while not interfering with whatever these guys are doing. Not, and, and you didn't. I, mean, I didn't really think anything of it. I, listen, I a lot of guys are not playing well for four or five or six holes, and they turn it around there and you're part of the rest of the round. You know? It's funny because I used to be so susceptible to... You know, with my nutrition or something. For me, mostly, I was very susceptible to what was going on with me mentally. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, the big victory yesterday, if you want to say, or the win was, I uh, finished my normal radio show and I went to my car to go to meet you and play golf. And I got in my car for the first time that day, and I found out that my car had been broken into. I had a bunch of stuff stolen, a bunch of golf stuff stolen. Crap. By the way, our friend Stu Bennington from Taylor Medina's, he's got pneumonia. Oh, really? Yeah, I got pneumonia. That ain't good. I've been feeling good. Wow. And so I'm like, I've just been testing him every day, get better. But if I have to test him, I need a new jacket. Uh, <laughs> uh, number, number three. Number three. Whatever. Spiritual leaders need raincoats. Um, they so do. I'm about this stuff, but I, so I sort of dealt with my car being broken into, and then I went to the golf course. And because of, you know, the way I look at golf now, nothing about having my car broken into carried with me no. to that golf game. And I said to you when you came into the parking lot and you gave me that tail, that by your energy and the way you looked, I wouldn't have surmised that you had just gone through something that was, for a lot of people, really traumatic. I had my car broken into. Hey, let's tee it up. Let's try it. Because, you know, first of all, it's not the first time it's happened. I've had a bunch of stuff. I've had two car break-ins and a house break-in in the last six or seven years. So, you know, I look at it like, well, nothing. So maybe, so maybe the neighborhood not so great. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, dude, I got my house broken into an oak hole. Oh, well. Yeah. yeah, rich people get greedy. Yeah. <laughs> my point is, uh, I guess, I mean, I could have said, oh, well, I got my car broken into and probably going to pull that shit. Well, but, uh, I just went, well, I got my car broken into. I'll just go play golf at home and I'll uh, worry about it later. Mm-hmm. You know, thanks to Jim, who's just helped me change my lock, and I came home and I reprogrammed my garage door opener because it's still that. And I was like, okay. And, you know, I don't know if I played great or not yesterday, but I certainly was. You know, I was my normal self to play with. You were. You were, well, you were fun. You were glib. You used some of your... Those your lines for golf comedy, golf upcoming comedy special. I don't know where that's going to debut, but I'm going to be there. One thing Tony never heard me say before is that you know, like you know, sometimes you know, guys are playing as partners. They'll say, okay, you know, like I hit it onto the green, and you're like 20 feet, and then you say, well, I'm going to say, well, hey, you should, you know, instead of saying hit it close, you say, you know, I want you to hit that. I want you to get inside me. And at one point that day, was, they said that I go, I saw something say, well, let's get outside of golf. Come on, put that inside me. Or, you know, anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but I, I, um, not, I, not that I wouldn't have been affected by something, you know, but I just look at, like, okay, well, I'm going to play golf now. We'll see what, I'll have fun, I'm sure. And it's like, I'm on a golf course. I can't do anything about my car being broken into. So I was to play with my, 
Yeah, so I, yeah, so I think part of what you're maybe a theme here, <laughs> whatever, is that um, maybe what we've done in our, you know, given that we're a thousand years old collectively, uh, with a degree of wisdom, perhaps some maturity, um, kind of knowing our way around a bit, is that when stuff happens. It doesn't necessarily mean catastrophe. It doesn't mean that as a human being, I suck. Uh, my identity as a self-described good player has suddenly disintegrated. That's no longer true. Thus, my identity withers away. And it, it's none of that. It's just, oh, stuff happens. And we roll on. And whether it's in golf or in life or getting your car broken into or something goes on, it's really interesting how this connects with something that. So I meet. We had Dave Robinson in um, a couple months ago. So I sit in a in a men's circle with him, and what's really interesting is that we were talking about how some bad stuff can happen, and people can catastrophize over it and go into a spiral. And I do that. I do that from from time to time for sure. And then it'll turn out not to be so bad. And we'll go. Oh, well, that's okay. <laughs> all the emotional investment in the in the negative crap, and so you know, it, it happens to everybody that, that it's just that ability to to maintain some perspective. And man, that's easy to say, hard to do. But here's the thing: you know, I, I mentioned this on the show a few times, you know, in the last couple months about the idea that golfers are these people that believe. In every round of golf, that's why that first, I, I talked about this, I think, a couple podcasts ago. Golf is one of the first team. Like a lot of people go wake up every day and they go to the first team thinking, maybe this will be the day nothing bad happens. But the fact is, as the Buddhists like to say, especially the Buddhists, you know, life is suffering. Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand that, what, 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 when we're immature, we think it's not, we think we're not supposed to suffer. So I got my car broken into, you know, as I said on the Humble and Fresh show, I've been really lucky because I've had my car broken into twice, I've had my house broken into once, I've had three or four computers stolen and other stuff stolen, but I've never been hurt. And nobody I love has, so mm-hmm. that's pretty good. That's awesome. So I got the first tee yesterday and I think, okay, I'm about to play a game. It's like, I look at golf now the way if you and I and the great Jim Carr were, were going to go up the back of the parking lot there and throw a ball around. I go, we're playing a game, and if I drop that ball, will I lose my effing mind? No, I got this job, I throw it back to you. Yeah. I look at golf that way now, and I never used to. But I, I want to talk about this on another, because I know you got to go. On another podcast, I want to talk to you about a new golf podcast that themed the experience of the game. It's a game that I play. So when we got to the first team yesterday, I'm like, okay, great. What what fun can I have playing this game today? And it's a di- it's different than I'm going to go golfing and boom, I hope I shoot my best round. And I shot 75. Yeah, exactly. I was going to mention that that you played really well, and we also had the conversation that in this. Uh, season which your handicap has dropped precipitously. Yes, it's plummeted. Yeah, and I'm really pleased I said that word with right. massacring it. Well, you're a Pythium Pythium blight. Oh, just I got it the first time. See, I was Pythium blight. I was, so here's this season in which your um, handicap has uh, gone down in a major way. And you haven't hit tons of balls. You haven't been you, – you, you've been working with 
with someone in terms of like you're holding it and, and you're lifting and that to some degree, but you haven't been hitting tons of balls, getting the blisters, all that, you know, hit, hit to your hands bleed type of thing. But here you are. Your, your game is so much better. You're able to now survive stuff happening to you, like getting your car broken into or taking a divot the size of a bath mat at a hill and still getting on with it and playing really high-level golf. My point about playing, you know, a game of cats, you know, when you play ping pong, the ball goes off the table, you pick it up and you start, you, you serve again. It's not like, you moron! Yeah, exactly. But golf used to be like that. Yeah. And it's like that for a lot of people. You know, you know, even yesterday, you know, we had this fun match with these guys, and, you know, they cooled off a little bit, and we started playing better, you started playing better. You know, I just kind of was going along, you know, sort of, you know, average round for me. You know, I ended up shooting 74, 75 yesterday. And, uh, but at some point, I was one over for a bunch of holes, and all of a sudden, I made a bogey, and I'm two over. I said, I make a double bogey. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I finished. After that double bogey, I finished the last five or six holes, one under par, because I, and my point is it's so great I did that, but I would have been fine if it hadn't happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and as, it, as the round wears on now, I just keep going, well, I don't think about, you know, I once asked Ken Tarling, one of our guests, I had a conversation with him about, you know, I was all caught up in talking like can't be under par and maintain it, and now I know why. Because he doesn't really know where he is in the world. I'm less aware now than I've ever been as to what exactly my score is. And I know the reason why. Because I'm really not concerned with it. I'm only concerned with what cool shot can I hit now. Love it. Playing golf. Playing playing golf. Playing golf. Absolutely. That's where we'll leave it for today. Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. Howard Glassman of the newly relocated HumbleTheFreightWriter.com in this growing studio. Thank you, Jim Carr. Thank you. We have a token that I've decided that we have a lifetime of history. Jim Carr is getting paid Oh, my God.